maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on saying thank you after a raise, how to ask if your partner is invited to a co-worker party, when a chivalrous act feels forced, replying to thank yous, and then more questions on thank yous. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette, salute, and postscript segment that is the third installment from our Be Better at Parties New York Times article. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining Members, your extra question of the week is one of my favorite extra questions ever, and it is about wearing a tux to an early afternoon ceremony and an evening reception. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. I've been getting some headspace. <laughs> Do tell. I um, actually read a book that had a whole like meditation thing coming after it. I wasn't as in love of the of the meditation that the book prescribed, and so went back to an old app that had been recommended to me numerous times, like three or four years ago, and What's it's still the name on of my the phone. App? Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, cuz. I want to know. I want to know. Gosh, you're so excited this morning. I love it. It's called Headspace, so that's why we started with I've been getting some Headspace, and it's a meditation app, and I really like it. I've I've gone through a few different types of meditation and meditative practice in my life. And this one has been really good for getting me back into it. It can be a hard and daunting thing to get back into like, oh, take an hour of your time and just sit quietly with your thoughts, trying to just let them be there and not be there. And it, it can definitely be difficult in the, the lives that we lead today. And so I love this app because it's, first of all, the I like the voice of the person who, who reads it to you. And that's really important to me. And then mm-hmm. Um, I like that you can choose three, five, or ten minute during the basic startup where you're kind of getting back into the flow of meditating. And it's been a, a good reminder of how to just sit with yourself, check in with yourself, be aware but not be focused. And it's been helpful. So today was actually the first time where I did it in the morning before work as opposed to doing it in the evening after work when I got home. And it was harder. It was a different experience than the me that enters into it at the end of the day versus the start of the day. I noticed how many times my thought wandered to stuff we were going to talk about on the podcast or, sure. you know, oh, gosh, what time is it right now? Am, am I running over? And I'm like, wait, Lizzie, this thing has a timer on it. You're fine. Like, chill out. Sit here. Be with you. <laughs> that sounds lovely. It's it's getting to be lovely. It's getting to be something I'm looking forward to again, which is really, really nice. But you and I talk about daily practices, about routines. After being sick, I've been trying to get back into a workout routine. You, for a while, were doing squats that, like, I was just like, okay, yeah, you go be awesome. <laughs> don't, I don't even want to hear it, Miss. I take a run almost every day. <laughs> I don't take a run almost every day. Three You're times a week. Way too much credit that I could take credit for. <laughs> I'm really impressed. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's kind of the one that I've been trying to reinvest in myself. Okay. Like what? The running or the the squats? <laughs> S- some version of daily exercise. Okay, okay. I had this moment the other okay. day, a confessional moment. I put Anisha in a carrier mm-hmm. and we were going to go for a fall walk. We we're going to walk up to the deer camp above the house. It was just no. beautiful. It was, it was the weekend. Peak was this color. Was I called you? Was this it, the walk? No, no. But Other it was walk. Okay. Same, same place, same, same road. Okay. Very similar. This time I was trying to have Anisha in a carrier, and she's totally. gotten bigger. She's almost two, and I wasn't even out of the driveway before my legs were just in full <laughs> protest. And I said to myself, I have got to start exercising. I've got to get back on that horse. And Pooja's been really good. She does some physical therapy that she does every day, and she's an inspiration to me. I watch her do she's it, and I say, at this. <laughs> I can go do this. And it's my version of meditation, like you, yeah. the idea of, of spending – and it's it's – the description of the meditation sounds lovely and delicious. The time spent on it sounds really hard to carve out. So mm-hmm. it's why I was curious about that app that you mentioned that kind of helps it. both 
schedule you and also says, this is just five minutes. This is just 10 minutes. This is just 15 minutes. But somehow if I can make that meditation a moving meditation, a yoga class, some exercise, I know it's not the same thing. I know it's not the investment <laughs> in that, that hey, mental clarity. Hey, you're getting clarity. no judgment from me over here. I know what you mean about walks being meditative. And last night, Benny and I, I mean, you and I were at the office probably till about 5.15 and I got home around like 5.30, 5.40. And just skipped my house entirely, drove right to the bike path, and, like, Benny and I walked, and it was funny. I walked both to where I thought we were going to get to and then all the way back the other direction. And then it was like I took a twice-as-long walk because I felt so nice just walking with him and being there with him and, like, spending time with my dog, and it was quiet on the bike path last night. So that walking, don't don't discount it because you're doing yourself double duty. It's no, good. In the summer and in the fall when that's really an option. Option, I would rather go get into the woods. Yeah, totally. Winter is coming. <laughs> it's time to start to build some of those routines, that extra 15 minutes on the morning alarm to make that time. I am. Because you're not always going to want to go for the walk when it's zero degrees and there's 35 mile an hour winds and you have to put on a million layers to get out the door. <laughs> You've got me inspired. Keep checking up on me. <laughs> I will. I will. But right now, should we check into some questions? Let's do it. All right. <laughs> awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or find us on Twitter and Facebook and use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so we know you want your question on the show for any of these methods. Sustaining members, please put sustaining member in your subject line and we will answer your question over on the sustaining member version of the podcast. As promised, today is a day of all questions that we received through social media. Our first question today raises raise questions. I have an etiquette question. I recently received a raise at work. I work in a small office, and the notification was given to me via email by my boss. I've received raises in the past, usually smaller cost-of-living adjustments, via email with a similar template language. My question is, do I have to thank my boss verbally and in person, or can I simply write a note of thanks, as I prefer? I find that I could be more sincere if I write my thoughts down. 
This is always a tough one because Emily Post, you know, she always valued and really, Dan, you found that passage in the 1922 edition that spoke to how she valued that in-person thank you. It allows for all of the emotion, all of the sentiment, all the gratitude to be seen and heard. And if you, I was going to say, if you are the energy type person that Dan and I tend to be, then it's also really felt. Um, However, there's nothing wrong with writing a thank you note to your boss and, and depending on your company's structure, it might even be the best way to communicate your gratitude. Some people work at companies where they really don't know their boss at all. And while it might make an impression to go in and actually give that verbal and in-person thank you, I think that a a handwritten note could absolutely be appropriate. We always say that it is um, one of the most lovely thank yous you can give because you've taken the time to write something out. If you are like me and have terrible spelling and grammar, then you've taken a lot of time to write something out and pre-write it three or four times, even for those three-sentence notes. But it's really up to you, and it sounds like this would be appropriate, especially because your raise has been indicated to you via email, I think. Either the in-person or the handwritten thank you note would both kind of step it up a notch, I believe. I like all of these thoughts. I'm reminded of other questions we've received where people have said, you know, I, I like writing letters. I like writing it down because it gives me time to construct my thoughts and really say what I mean. And I like that quality to writing. It's what we try to achieve when we do our sample scripts. That yeah, you can think about true. what you're going to say ahead of time. And sometimes the act of writing a thank you note helps clarify what it is you want to say. Knock, knock, knock. Hi, do you have half a second? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to thank you. I really appreciate it. Basically speak your note. Thanks so much. I just wanted to drop by and tell you personally that I really appreciated it. Another option. doesn't need to be a big deal, but maybe write that note. Send it or, or or be ready to send it and then go speak it also. You're thinking two. You're thinking hit them twice with the thank you. Uh, two is hit better than twice. one. I mean give them twice. Like meet them twice. Greet them twice with the thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? And yeah. take advantage of both. Follow that, that good impulse, that good instinct to write a little note. And also maybe you don't make a special effort to go knock on their door, but just when you see them and it is a quiet moment, a private moment where it's not in front of a lot of other people – just thank them. And and it doesn't need to be a big deal, but you can also take advantage of that in-person connection, build or grow that relationship, show your appreciation. If you are going to go both routes, my little follow-up thought is keep it professional, keep the tone moderate. You don't want to go over overboard. Having said, (laughs) why not do it? There is that thought that's you can overdo a thanks if, if you gush no, true, or it starts true. to come across as insincere or disproportionate to what happened. But it sounds like this is I a real raise. Say, I don't get that vibe from this listener, but it's good advice for other listeners who might be like, oh, wow, I could, you know, get them twice and really be exuberant about it. It's OK to keep it keep it toned a little bit down. And, yeah. and the, the ways you could make that mistake would be doing it in front of too many people, yes. doing it in a way that makes it feel awkward, not personal and genuine or – Doing it in a way that's really out of character for you completely and for most people, that's not the problem. For most people, it's the nudge to just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, so I'm almost hesitant to even mention that but we are it's an etiquette an advice show. It's so. an <laughs> Anonymous, we hope that this helps and congratulations on your raise. Make yourself so valuable your employer can't let you go. And Walter improved his standing with his employer – by his display of initiative. Our next question is titled, Is My Partner Invited? I'm hoping you can answer a question for me. A coworker invited me to a Halloween housewarming party at her new house. We are friendly at work, but this will be the first time seeing her outside of work. She didn't say on the invitation, but can I bring my husband or not? I'm confused. Should I just ask her to be sure? Or is there a rule about this? Work invitations can feel awkward. They have this, like, different, like, there is this kind of, like, business separate, social, business social, business yeah, social, like, business social. And then, ah. <laughs> Ours, it's, like, not an issue. We often are like, oh, wait, no, this isn't going to be spouses or, like, because we're just so family-oriented at our work. But that's not the case everywhere. And there are plenty of places where... 
the meetup or the invite, it really is just meant for coworkers. So this is one of those places where I think it's okay. I think it is okay to ask in this particular case because there is some question in your mind, and yeah. that's what a good guest does. And we're talking host-guest dance here. I was just about to say, I feel like you just green-lighted so many people to ask host questions that are not appropriate. <laughs> but because there is an open question that yes, is significant, it is. It, it, yeah. your the nature of your RSVP depends on on this particular piece yes. of information. And I think the situation you describe where spouses aren't or long-term partners aren't necessarily invited is that let's get together right after work. Let's go have lunch together as a team. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's social. It's not at the office, but it's built and constructed as an event right around the workday. Yeah. And it has sort of a more of a business social feel to it. The cues that start to tell me, okay, this is more social, business social, Halloween, house party. Maybe I'm even going to wear a costume. I'm going <laughs> to go. Dan is so not a fan <laughs> of the costume thing. <laughs> You're going to visit someone's home, maybe yeah. a little further distance, maybe evening, maybe weekend. Okay, this is starting to feel more social. Yes. And usually spouses are included on social invitations. And it might just be assumed that people know spouses are included because all of those other indicators are saying social. I think you're in pretty safe territory because the needle is kind of over on that side that you could say, I just wanted to double check before I brought Lisa Jim that spouses are invited to this party. Is Okay, so now help me with the sample script because no, I'm no, starting no. to No, no, no. Before fail. I help you with the sample script, I'm dying to know what this note is in the in, in your notes that says, not a plus one since it is your spouse slash LTP. What is LTP? Long-term partner. Oh, my God. Of course. Thank you. I'm always so used to thinking SO. Yeah, exactly. LTP, long-term partner. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, I I love all the the indicators and the boxes that you've checked before saying, okay, I'm going to make the ask of my host and I'm going to inquire if if my my partner case, in this case, husband is invited. I think it makes sense. And I don't think it would come across as offensive. I think that this this really makes sense. More awkward if it was like maybe it's a shower for a coworker that's being held right after business hours or maybe even the last hour of the workday. That's one where I wouldn't necessarily ask if my partner's invited to that unless the partner happened to be very close friends with the honoree. But I, I like all your choices of why this makes sense to be one where it would be okay to ask. It's also a casual event. It's not, a, you know, a really fancy type event and it's it's not tied to work. So I think you're in good stead. Where the invitation would be more likely to give you very clear cues about who's invited. I think that the final piece of advice would be keep your ask casual. Keep it sort of as an – keep it um, uh, structured as an inquiry and be ready for any answer that you get. And if you enter with that willingness to accept any answer that you hear, you're going to be in good shape, whatever the answer is. Have fun at the party. And if it is a costume party, best of luck. No, no. Let us know what it is that you went as. (laughs) I'm going to Mary's party tomorrow, aren't you? A party? Why, I didn't even... No, I don't like parties. I never have any fun at parties. I was kind of hoping you'd go. Parties are more fun when all your friends are there. Cindy! Well, I better go. I'll see you. Here's your ball. Our next listener wonders, It's sweet, but... My husband was raised to be a gentleman and always opens car doors for me. Sometimes we arrive at a destination, and before he exits the vehicle, he checks or responds to text messages or finishes off a sports drink. This leaves me sitting, waiting to have my door opened when I could have been entering the venue or joining friends. He gets very offended if I open my own door. Do you have any suggestions on how I should handle it when I prefer not to wait for him to open my door? Thank you, Anonymous. This is totally a preference battle. And it's like, this is, I, I see that. I'm picturing the back seat like, of this car. I know, even the back seat of the front, I'm picturing the two of them in the front seat, and he's like slurping down a big gulp, even though she, even though our listeners said like sports drink, but like slurping down a big gulp texting. And our listener is sitting there like all dressed up, ready to go, and like just tapping the foot, tapping the foot, like, okay, what's, and the, the listener, I can just picture in the past, 
passenger seats, seeing the friends in the venue, like, you know, all celebrating and having fun Music together. Out the and door. then you hear, like, the gurgles and the big slurp. And, like, it just the scene that was painted here, I feel for our listeners, and I don't mean to kid, we actually we take this question seriously because you are, de- you are dealing with a moment and you're dealing with preferences and you're dealing with opinions. And it's one that gets repeated so often for you in life that this really is an issue. And I can totally understand the wanting to wait and and let your husband do this thing that is so lovely. But I also can understand that it starts to lose its loveliness the longer it takes for him to actually get out of the car and then, you know, open the door so that you can exit the car. And I, I feel the awkwardness that's been created here. And I mean, my vote, as you all know, is usually to address things and talk about them and to, to meet it head on and say, honey, I love that you open my car door. It actually makes me feel incredibly special. But that specialness just goes right out the window when it starts to take a while and we're sitting there waiting for the text messages or the big slurp, gulp, whatever it's called to go down. Like It just it would be nice if if you're going to need that moment that if I if you don't mind, if I just get out of the car and go at that point, I don't want to offend you on something that you love doing, you know, a chivalry, a niceness that you love doing. But it starts to not feel like something that equates to all the goodness that you want to have in it when we take a while to get out of the car. The other option I have, Dan, the other option I have is, okay. so is there something else you could occupy yourself with? I want you all to know, too, that I do know we're going to have some listeners whose perspective on this is, wow, the husband sounds really controlling. You know, both I want to exercise this courtesy and I want you to wait until I'm ready to do it and know it's going to affect me negatively if you do something that I don't like. There are warning flags that some of our listeners are going to hear in that. I don't get the sense from our listener who wrote in that that's what is being felt, but it very well could be. And in other relationships, it might be something to be aware of on this one. Dan, you're the one who's married here. You know about compromises. <laughs> you're cueing on the thing that I sort of see as the etiquette crux here. It's the okay. waiting. Yeah. The the opening the door, I think both parties probably feel pretty good about that yeah. she seems to like it. He seems to like doing it. So it becomes a nice gesture. It's the waiting part that yeah. I think where this conflict – and it was so funny. It's where I think you saw the comedy in yeah. the situation also because that's <laughs> yeah. the moment of awkwardness. It is, yeah. And if you're going to have that discussion, I think it's about that waiting moment. Mm-hmm. And I like the way you're looking at both sides of it that maybe it means he's not texting while he's driving. Yeah. So when you get there, there's a couple texts that go before you head inside or maybe it's – Oh, I finished my sports drink because I'm not going to have a sports drink at this lovely party that we're going to. And it takes a minute to do it. And then the duration of that minute starts to be the question. Is it a reasonable – can we hold on just a second so we can go in together? Or is it a sit here while I text everybody in my fantasy league? Yeah. And that's a re- that's a very reasonable discussion to have as a couple. And – I think you're in really good shape bringing it up and and talking about it. I think to me this question also touches upon the reality of just how long seconds are. And you and I, cuz, actually know this quite well from doing this show for so long now. We know – You can say a lot in 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. You can also, if there's nothing happening for five seconds, 10 seconds, that is a really long pause. It's actually like our attention spans are just not equipped to deal with a full minute and a half of complete silence and sitting there wondering what's going to happen next or when this silence or this moment's going to end. Because if you're texting, you're not generally talking to the person next to you. If you are, you're doing kind of a half-attention job of it. And so it's a really awkward moment. 
I really actually feel for our listener on this one because I think that it is wrong to make people wait in that fashion. I don't think it works often. And this is a marriage we're talking about. I'm guessing people have been together for quite a while. Um, You know, those kinds of graces may come and go and they may find themselves in certain aspects of your marriage and then not in others. But waiting is waiting and waiting in silence is really, especially when you're not trying to interrupt someone who's trying to concentrate and send a text message. It just becomes very awkward. I think you're bringing me around to a real important point of etiquette that hadn't jumped out at me right off the bat. Using your cell phone when you're with someone, giving that person who you're with the same courtesy that you would give someone in a meeting at work or... Your mother-in-law, that that just because this is your spouse doesn't mean you have the latitude to ignore someone, to subject someone to your texting time. And I, I, I'm finding myself, the more I hear you talk about it, thinking more and more about what would be the good language to let someone know that it yeah. really matters to you, that this is one of those moments. This is one of those times where it's happened enough times that – you would appreciate it if they made a priority out of you and your experience that those seconds do feel like long seconds. What I also like is that our listener isn't saying ignore everything you need to do and and you know and just open that car door as fast as you possibly can for me. Our listener is actually saying, I would like to just get out of the car myself and feel like that's not going to take away from a courtesy that my husband really likes to deliver on. Um, I like the fact that she's listening and thinking about the fact that, like, there there are two things at play here. And there is another option I'd really like in our marriage for that to be one that I can feel really good about engaging with. The fact that our listener is imagining herself being able to go into the party and start the party before her husband joins her is also a little bit of an indication about just how long I was gonna the say, wait these are this that's what I said it's the big gulp, be. not just the sports drink yeah i definitely think this is worth addressing yeah. it's something that that is bothering you enough the sort of idea or advice around addressing it is try not to do it in the moment right bring it up when someone has enough time to hear you to digest what you're saying to think about it and Sometimes even to let that settle for a day or two, maybe before you're going to face that situation again, it might not resolve everything. It might not result in a perfect solution, but you start to seed the garden. You start to give someone something to think about, and I wouldn't be surprised if that weight was a little less or if it didn't happen at all. In so many ways, your husband sounds like someone who really cares about the little niceties and about courtesy. And maybe framing the discussion in that way is a way to give him access to thinking about it the same way that you are. Best of luck, and I hope you get to enjoy that next party. When Jack leaves the house with a lady, it's ladies first. Yes, even with his sister. For on the street, as much as at home, your manners are showing. This question is titled, Replying to Thank Yous. Hello, I just purchased your book, 19th edition. Thank you so much! When a question occurred to me, I sometimes use the phrase, I'm sure you would have done the same, in reply to a thank you. Is that proper manners? It's partially proper manners. In responding to a thank you, you want to have a whole range of options that give your replies... Variability. The etiquette gold star answer is you're welcome. (laughs) This is true. You're most welcome. I was happy to do it. That receiving that thanks is is an important option to have. Sometimes you really mean it was no trouble. I was happy to do it. Or it was no problem. I was happy to do it. Or just I was happy to do it. Or no worries. I was happy to do it. There, there, there are more informal variations that acknowledge someone's thanks. But really receiving that thank you, the, the, the gold star answer is you're welcome. And it lets someone know that their thanks has both been heard and appreciated. And that's an important option to have. I'm sure you would have done the same as another nice variation. You could add it on. You could say you're welcome. I'm sure you would have done the same. It's in some ways reflecting back to someone that you would assume they would have the same intention that you would have. You've just keyed on what my problem with the, the phrase that our listener is asking about is, is that it's an assumption. 
And there are a lot of times where the other person couldn't do the same or wouldn't do the same. And I think placing that assumption on what their behavior might be in the future, um, I think it almost... It, it, it's it's being said by our listener with a very generous nature. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think our, our listener is has any nefarious intentions with this. But I do think that it can come across as being really assumptive that someone else would do the same. And it, it I really like to try to pull assuming out of our language as much as possible. So I like the other things that you suggested. You're most welcome. I was happy to. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity to do this for you. I really appreciated it. It was something I really enjoyed getting to do. Um, but I personally would probably try to pull, I'm sure you would have done the same out of my my language. But that's two different perspectives on it. So, you know. <laughs> it's it's not one of the ones that I've got in my list yeah. that I run through as my replies to thank you list sample language examples. <laughs> but I've also heard it. And I've, I, I think it could be one flavor that might work. I don't choose pistachio every time I go to the creamy stand, but (laughs) somebody might like it. And it might be within a safe range of assumption. It might not be. So this is our pistachio option. I'm sure you would have done the same if it is something where you want to give someone that same credit that they would have. But if it's your stock answer, if it's the thing that you say every time, that sentiment might not apply every time. So you want to practice trying some different language. I could see you and I saying I would have done the same because we know each other so well. It's not something I would offer up to someone that I know casually. Anonymous, we hope that this helps and gives you some options moving forward. We'll finish today with more replies to thank yous. This one's a classic. Question. If someone gives me a thank you gift... Should I or may I write them a thank you note in return? Does it matter if they gave it to me in person? Do the same rules apply to hostess gifts? And then we had this follow-up question come a few weeks later, I think. New question. If someone gives me a small thank you present, should or may I write them a thank you note in return? Does it matter if they gave it to me in person? If they gave it to you in person, you do not have to write a thank you note, but you certainly may to reinforce the the great in-person thank you that you did give them. And the same is true of the hostess gift question that you asked. If the host can open it uh, and thank the giver in person, no note is needed. Those certainly can be written and sent if you would like to. There's nothing wrong with sending that extra note of thanks. And if the gift was not opened in front of the person, you do want to send that note of thanks. So what about a thank you note for a thank you gift? It's funny you should ask because the same basic rule and concept applies. Okay. Because you've received a gift that you haven't had a chance to thank someone for in person and because they might not know it arrived or not. It's a great idea to send a little note just to say, got your gift. Thank you so much. Really appreciated it. It does have to end somewhere. Once you start exchanging thank you notes for thank you cards, you can say to yourself, no, now (laughs) now it's over. But In other words, that person doesn't send a thank you for the thank you note that arrived to them. We stop it there. (laughs) Or after a long weekend, someone sends you a thank you note, not a thank you gift. You just receive that thanks. It's so nice to hear from them. And that can be the end of it. It can feel inspiring to receive a piece of handwritten mail and you might feel that inspiration and want to thank them, but it's okay to to let it stop at that point. It's always good to revisit thank you questions. They come up often because they're really important and all of us can use a little refresher. Oh, yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Remember, sustaining members, please put sustaining member in your feedback or your next question. We would love to answer it over on the sustaining member version of the show. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. In a past episode, we took a question about whether or not to bring a gift to a going away party. I believe it was at a restaurant. I think so, too. Jill wrote in with this perspective. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. On the topic of giving a going away gift to a friend who is moving... 
I agree with you that there is no real etiquette on gift-giving for the occasion. However, I strongly believe that the most considerate thing to do is no gift. That's in all caps. I have moved three times in the past five years, and each time it is a completely overwhelming and stressful experience. It is hard to comprehend how much stuff you have until you try to get it all packed up. And there are never enough boxes and never enough time to get it all done. Then, when a well-meaning friend comes over to say goodbye and places a gift in my hand, I can't really appreciate the gift and the spirit in which it is intended. Mm. All I can think is, oh, no, something else to pack. For me, far better gifts are from friends who offer their time to help pack and organize, who help with my kids when I am busy, and who bring dinner once the kitchen is packed away. Time spent with these friends, laughing, crying, and working together are sweet memories I'll have forever. No packing required. However, I know there are some listeners who will insist on giving a gift, and I have a solution for them as well. Ask your friend for their new address, and then, in a few weeks, ship the gift to their new home. Side note, this also solves the problem the listener had about not wanting to give a gift in front of others who may not be gift-giving. By waiting, hopefully the moving dust will have settled a little and the gift will be appreciated as a reminder of an old friend. This is especially helpful if your friend is homesick because you'll be sending a sweet reminder just when they could really use some support from back home. Thanks so much for your great podcast and for creating this awesome etiquette community. Sincerely, Jill. I love Jill's idea, and I thought it was a better answer than ours. Jill, A++. And I like the forethought of some people really are going to want a gift. Here's a great way to do it. Jill, this is this is going in the 20th edition, that's for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> We also took a question recently about canning jars and whether or not to return them to the owner. And Lynn wrote in saying, hello, Dan and Lizzie. Once again, I am enjoying your podcast on a Monday evening. Thank you so much for your important work. The question about returning canning jars struck a familiar note for me. My husband and I do quite a bit of canning and like to share what we make with friends and colleagues who regularly return the jars. The jars themselves and the bands, the metal rings that go around the tops of the jars, are reusable and may be returned. The lid, the round flat lid that sits on top of the jar, can only be used once for canning and is disposable. It needn't be returned and can be thrown away or recycled. We don't normally expect friends to return jars if we've given them a single jar of pickles or applesauce, especially if the canned goods were a gift for a special occasion. However, we have some friends who are regular recipients of our kitchen crafts, and they always return our jars and bands. Thanks so much for addressing this question, Lynn. And the only thing I would add to that is I actually ended up using all of my canning jars also as my... um, for lack of a better word, Tupperware. And because I don't have a microwave, so I'm not worried about microwaving the metal, um, everything's getting reheated in the oven and stuff. I often keep the lid myself just because it acts as a lid that you can use. It doesn't can or seal anything. You can't use it for a fresh seal. But you can certainly use it just to put, you know, some trail mix or the mashed potatoes from last night. I do most of my soups. I often put them in there if I'm going to be eating them within the week, that sort of thing. So on the the returning of the, the top, the actual lid, you can do it. Uh, you don't have to do it, though. Lynn, thanks for the clarification. I also liked your tip about the is it given as a gift or is it given as a, hey, I do this all the time and I'm really sharing the food. Yeah. Sort of a, a subtle distinction that I appreciated hearing. I thought so, too. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please, please, please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also leave your feedback on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want your feedback in the show. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript is once again returning to the wonderful Be Better at Parties article that Jen Dahl wrote and our, for the New York Times and that my awesome cousin Dan is, um, is heavily quoted in. <laughs> and we are, fingers crossed, hoping to have a little video on this particular segment available for our sustaining members. We really want to help get you guys more extra content. And so that is our goal this week. <laughs> I am so delighted to hear that. I know, me too. <laughs> Good job, Cousin Lizzie, on pushing that forward. 
So part three of this article is the part that is going to sound the most familiar to Awesome Etiquette listeners because it's the part that that Jendal really used the most Awesome Etiquette content. She talked a lot about conversation skills at parties and how to be a great conversationalist. She liked the Emily Post answers on uh, her whole approach to being a good conversationalist. So we're going to revisit those basic concepts with Jen Dahl. One of the first things that I always like to tell people about being a good conversationalist is that your job in a conversation is often to be a good listener. That if you're talking with one other person, your share of that conversation pie is about 50%. You get to talk about half the time. That means you're getting to listen about half the time also. As soon as there's three people, your share of that pie as a talker gets smaller. It drops to about a third, which means you're now listening twice as much as you're talking. Yeah, you're listening two-thirds and talking a third, if you're lucky. (laughs) By the time there's four people in a conversation together, you're listening three times as much as you're talking. It really is amazing how important your listening skills are to participating well in a conversation. And there's a little checklist that I give people for checking in on your own active listening. Are you physically engaged? Are you looking someone in the eye? Are you smiling? Are you sitting up straight or standing up straight? And I don't mean back against a wall, shoulders jammed back. I mean are you relaxed and attentive? Are you present with the people that you're with? And are you showing that with the way that you are with them, the way that you are holding yourself? Because what you just described is someone I would love to be around at a party, like someone who like relaxed and attentive. Like that's the kind of person you can feel comfortable with when you're a little bit socially anxious like some of us are. A little sparkle in your eye, ready to smile, if not always grinning, um, uh, animated, someone who – moves a little bit when they talk their their hands are alive they're they're present in their in their body they're physically present so active listening starts just with your presence we talked a little bit about that in the the very first section of this article you can then use little nonverbal cues little nods little mhms and by nonverbal i mean you're not actually saying anything but uh-huh just letting people know that you're listening Repeat back what you've heard. Sometimes people talk about mirroring. Just say back to someone something they've just said. Did you just say X, Y, or Z? Did I really hear that right? Are you saying – you love opera? There I are, love opera. There are so <laughs> many little ways that you can reflect back to someone and let them know that they've been hurt. Are you telling me if I repeat back what someone's just said, they're going to know they've been hurt? Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm telling you. The final active listening skill is to ask a follow-up question. Contribute something yourself, ask someone for more details or more information, just asking that follow-up question. But that's the fourth step. My sophisticated conversation skills advice is notice when you're arriving at that fourth step in your own mind and don't do it. Go back and go through your list again. Use a nonverbal cue. Use a reflection. And then hold yourself accountable. Don't say that first thing that occurred to you. Don't ask that first follow-up question. Don't contribute that thing that you were going to interject. Come up with something else. If that first thing was really so brilliant, remember it. (laughs) Dan says that because he's looking at me with this face of like, what are you talking about? Of course you should get to contribute stuff. You get to contribute. This is like social conversational masochism. (laughs) No, No, it's self-control. It's self-control. But I I like the fact that you say if if it really is great for the moment, then add it in. I like the idea of being able to share a thought that that has this conversation has inspired you to think and one that you'd want to share, but then bringing the conversation back to what the other person was saying or asking them specifically about their perspective on it, because it shows that you're willing to both contribute something and allow the person who initiated the conversation to kind of be in in the driver's seat of that conversation. And it helps to not make you look like you're just only reflecting upon things with your own perspective and only that angle and only wanting to share you, 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 you. The simple mistake is the the me too-ism. Oh, yeah. Oh, me too. Da, 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 da. Let me tell you about my version of that story. Yeah. Don't you Common just, conversation mistake. I cannot stand those conversations where it's just two people saying things in their own life back and forth to each other. It's like, wait a minute. We're not really talking about each other. We're just sharing. So now it's time to say that thing. Okay. Maybe the ball's been passed to you, which is oftentimes the, the best way to 
really find your moment to contribute. You know, I've been talking about opera for a while. Lizzie Post, is there a fine art that you really enjoy? Guess what? Well, thank you. There is. I, you know, it's not opera for me, but it is. And off we go. Now I get to talk about my passion for the visual arts for painting. Yeah. And that is your moment to shine. (laughs) (laughs) And what's so nice about that particular pass off is that it's a a pass into tier one safe territory. A conversation about immediate shared experience, uh, local sports team. Preferences and likes. The weather, the food that we're eating. But it could also be particle physics or the opera. It doesn't need to be boring. It can be a sophisticated topic of conversation. It can be something from the living or the art section of the New York Times as well as the sports page that it, it really is not a limitation to have a conversation that's likely to be a pretty safe conversation for most people. Are you teasing me with the particle physics because of the book I read the other week? No, okay, but okay. you did bring particle physics to this show. I did bring it to the show the other week. <laughs> Tier two, those potentially controversial topics that you might want to avoid in some situations entirely and you always want to approach with a little bit of care are the ones that many people think of. Religion, politics, dating or your love life, people have very strong, very different opinions about these topics. Mm -hmm. So you want to proceed with a a willingness to engage depending on the cues that you get from someone else. You might love talking about something if you're really finding that the person that you're with doesn't. That can be enough to shut down a conversation if you just don't or can't or won't agree and the conversation isn't working well, that's oftentimes another time to to take a step back and find a different place that you can go. I also notice um, that the the nature of the conversation, if especially when I'm at a party where there's a lot of people who know each other socially really well, gossip or that surprising news that maybe isn't so great, someone's divorce or uh, something tragic that happened or even just something mildly not great that happened to someone, like a kid getting in trouble or rumors about somebody's kid. These are not the conversation topics to try to go to. And I find that when someone does bring them up, it's actually more comfortable to shut the conversation down lightly and say, oh, well, you know, that's that's their lives. But I am dying to hear about, you know, it's don't correct, but redirect that conversation out of the negative space and into something that everyone can positively talk about with one another. It's so easy to try to build rapport around sharing negative information or salacious gossip, and it's a a, a trap that's well worth avoiding. And if you notice people around you falling into that trap, you can be a really good friend, a really excellent party goer, and rescue the situation. You can kind of redirect and steer back into some of these other areas that – Frankly, if you're an interested and interesting person who's cultivated a curiosity about the world, you should have at your disposal. Those are all some of my mother's tips, by the way. <laughs> my tier three is the the territory that you want to be the most careful with, and that's the really intimate details in life, people's family, people's finances, people's health. And it can seem like a really natural place to go in conversation because we – are so close to these ideas and concepts and people that it can it can oftentimes feel like the easiest thing to talk about. But because they are such personal and oftentimes private areas of people's lives, you want to be really careful. If someone's opened the door, if you have permission to have these conversations, they're really great places to build rapport and get close to others. But if those doors haven't been open, if you haven't established that standing, it's also the place you can get yourself in the most trouble. So – Just be careful. Be aware if you're in those territories. And even just having that little flag, that little FF, family and finance, mnemonic Mm -hmm. in your mind can help you say, did I just ask a question about someone's kids before they talked about kids? And is that really – maybe that could be a prying question. Is that really something that I want to be asking a minute into a conversation with someone or two minutes into a conversation with someone I just met? I love this party article. I love that we have one more installment of it coming next week, and I am so excited to hear it. Dan, thank you so much. And Jen Dahl, thank you so much. This has been a fabulous, fabulous article to explore and sustaining members. We are hoping to have that video ready for you by the time this show airs. Couples who usually keep their group very small find that widening their circle, sharing the intermission with others 
makes the evening more fun for everybody. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. And today we have an etiquette salute from Susanna. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. Thank you both for all the work you do to cultivate an oasis of respect and tranquility. I've listened since your dinner party download days and am always recommending you to family and friends, as well as my colleagues and the parents of the children in my preschool class. I am writing this etiquette salute to my husband's late grandmother in response to the postscript on episode 213. My husband and I will be celebrating 10 years as a couple this January. Congratulations. But back when we'd only been together a few months, his grandfather passed away, and we traversed several states to attend the funeral. It was obviously a fraught time and not the ideal setting in which to introduce a new girlfriend to extended family. But that's what our etiquette toolbox is there for, right? At the reception, I followed the steps you laid out in your postscript and tried to make myself useful. Making and serving drinks, bringing plates to the less mobile of the guests, making small talk and tidying up along the way. As the gathering drew to a close, several guests stopped and thanked me and told me what a good job I'd done. But it wasn't until an elderly cousin tried to tip me that I realized that they thought I was staff. I obviously did not want to embarrass anyone by pointing out the mistake, so on our way out the door, I slipped the accrued gratuity into Grandma's candy jar with a hastily scribbled note about donations to the sweet fund. It wasn't until several years later that Grandma brought it up again, saying that she'd seen the whole thing go down and had decided at that moment that I was the right person for her favorite grandson. Her grace in letting it lie and her kindness highlighted... For me, what a wonderful family I was joining. And for that, I salute her. Thanks again, and I wish you and yours all the best, Susanna. Isn't that lovely? So lovely. Susanna, thank you for that etiquette salute. I I don't want to say I'm a little jealous, but what a what a sweet experience. I also really want to thank you. It sounds like you are a real advocate for this show, and we so appreciate that as well. This little oasis of etiquette and respect that you described is really made possible by listeners like you. So thank you for this salute. And thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. That's comments, questions, salutes. You can send us your next piece of feedback to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. On Facebook, we're both Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You can do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you do that, please consider leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. 